You're listening to a podcast by Abide Church and Pastor Dan DeBell in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We pray this podcast helps you live, love, and look more like Jesus this week. Enjoy the message. Hey, as we get started today, I want to remind you of this. I um, I have have talked about him a few times. I've befriended a a young man at my gym, he is uh, 86 years young, and uh, he is a retired pastor from California. And I got to know him a little bit, and every time I've seen him in the gym, we talk for a little bit, and I was talking to him just about uh, God's Word and preaching and things like that, and he's got 60 years of ministry experience, and I'm just, every time I get a chance, I ask him questions, and I just pick his brain about stuff, because he is a wealth of knowledge, and um, he spends hours every day in God's Word, and he's been praying for our church and things like that, and it's just been so so encouraging for me to talk to someone from a few generations in front of me and, and to learn from him. And, uh, you know, whenever you come to Abide Church, we normally say this. I like to say, uh, when, we, when we look at Scripture and I preach a message, don't just take my word for it. Take God's word for it. That's why we give you those note-taking cards, and if you need one, uh, if you didn't get one, if you want one, you can raise your hand. We could bring one around to you. But... Um, we do that, and, and I was telling him about how we do that, and he, he made this statement. He said, I used to talk to my church about that, and I would say this. And this is his words. He said, I would tell my church, by God's grace, I'm not going to steer you wrong. I'm going to do my due diligence. I'm going to study. I'm going to read things in context. I'm going to go deep, and I'm going to pull out truth. By God's grace, I'm not going to steer you wrong. But it's your job to go home and see for yourself. And I thought, man, that's so good. That's what we see in the book of Acts, that we see that the the apostles would come and they would teach. Scripture says that they would search the Scriptures to see if they were speaking the truth. And that's our goal here is, yes, we want to, uh, by church, we're going to feed you spiritually. Hopefully we'll give you a little bit of a workout spiritually, stretch you a little bit spiritually. But the goal is not just for church to be an hour on Sunday. The goal is that we would go home and grow personally with Jesus. And so uh, as you have those note-taking cards, I would encourage you, if you don't have one yet, grab a binder. As you leave today, if you turn right, there's binders right there. Those are free. Take one, gather these notes together, and uh, start collecting those things because I believe it's going to be a huge blessing to you in the future. All right, so today, here's what we're doing. We're continuing in our series. It's called Prevailing Prayer. Uh, I believe this is part number six. So we've been in this for a little while. I got at least one more message for you. We'll see uh, if God has more, but at least one more after this. Uh, Prevailing Prayer. Today, we're going to talk about meditation. Meditation. Uh, Meditation is a crucial part of our prayer life. However, I think meditation has been shown and revealed to us in very strange ways. Meditation is a biblical thing, but Hollywood and even other religions have made it uh, something that can seem very strange. Like, how do we do that? Let me show you our key verse for today. It's Joshua 1.8. So if you have your Bible, you can go there. And honestly, you can park at Joshua 1.8. That's kind of our foundation for today. It says this, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate. Everyone say meditate. Meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. All right, so all this sounds great. My way will be prosperous. I will have good success. I will walk in obedience to God's Word when I meditate on God's Word. So the big question is this, what is meditation? Well, point number one is this. If you're taking notes, write this down. Biblical meditation involves speaking. Biblical meditation involves speaking, and this is oftentimes where we miss it when it comes to meditation. Let me tell you what meditation is not. Uh, Biblical meditation is not lighting some candles, 
sitting in the corner on some pillows and making some weird noises, okay? So put your mind at ease. That's not what we're talking about today. That is not biblical meditation. Biblical meditation is not clearing your mind of all things. Just clear your mind, get it emptied out, just clear out all the negativity. That's not, that's not biblical meditation either. Scriptural meditation is to be solely on the Word of God. And so here's the thing. If someone's telling you to meditate biblically and they're saying to clear your mind, that's not accurate. If anything, you should be filling your mind with God's Word. Don't clear your mind because you leave an empty void for the enemy to fill. Anytime you clear out something negative out of your life, you need to fill it with truth and with light and with God's Word. Don't ever leave an empty void because the enemy will love to come in and fill that void if you don't fill it with something. So um, uh, scriptural meditation is to be solely on the Word of God and what it reveals about God and His works. And so the, the actual term to meditate in Hebrew in the original is this. There's a few translations, but here's, here's three of them that I think are really interesting. To quietly Repeat scriptures in a soft, droning sound while utterly abandoning outside distractions. To repeat scriptures, basically, to myself and eliminate distractions. Another way of describing to meditate in the original is this. To speak with oneself or murmuring in a low voice. What is that? It's self-talk. I'm talking to myself about God's Word. Here's my favorite biblical definition of that phrase, to meditate, is this. The growl of a lion over its prey. The growl of a lion over its prey. In the Hebrew, that is probably the most accurate translation of the phrase, to meditate. And here's what I love about that, is it shows us that meditation is not a passive thing. It's not a passive thing that I do uh, just, just at random times. It's not something that I just kind of work in whenever it's convenient. Meditation is an active thing. It actually puts me on the offense. Scripture says in Proverbs 28.1, The wicked run away when no one is chasing them, but the godly are as bold as lions. The godly are as bold as lions. That's what we are called to be. And so whenever I choose to meditate, that's how I look to my spiritual enemy as a lion growling over its, its prey. So here's what's interesting is many times we think, Scripture also talks about the enemy being like a lion, seeking whom he may devour. Many times we walk and we live our life as Christians thinking we are the ones being hunted. Well, the enemy is just chasing after me, and he's going to come after me, and he's going to trip me up. He's going to attack me and all this stuff. And we live so much on the defense when scripturally most of the time, almost all the time, we are called to be on the offense. And so we have to switch our mind whenever it comes to biblical meditation. We're going to look at this today. It actually changes and switches us from I'm no longer the hunted. I am now the hunter. I'm the lion. I'm the one that's as bold as a lion going after my prey, growling over my prey with Scripture in my mouth. That is the visual representation we must have when it comes to meditation, not sitting cross-legged in the corner on some pillows with some candles making some weird noises for hours on end. I'm going to tell you something. That's not going to do anything for you. But if you fill your mouth with God's Word and you're speaking it to yourself, not weird and crazy, but you're speaking it to yourself throughout your day, quietly doing self-talk throughout your day, talking about it, repeating it, quoting it, memorizing it, it is going to empower you to be on the offense against your spiritual enemy. Because here's the, here's the truth. We are meditating on something whether we realize it or not. Biblical meditation is what? Speaking to yourself. 
quietly in that low voice. It's speaking something. So the question is, what are you meditating on? How can I answer that? It's simply this. What are you thinking and speaking to yourself about each day? What am I talking more about each day? I'm meditating on something. I have to choose to meditate on God's word because it's the only thing that's going to benefit my life for the better. So let's look at it. Three reasons. Today we're going to talk about three reasons then why we meditate according to scripture. The first one is this. It builds my faith. This seems obvious and this seems a little bit elementary and we talked a little bit about this last week, but I want to revisit this because this is very important. Number one, it builds my faith. Psalm 77 verse 11 says this, I will remember the Lord's works. Yes, I will remember your ancient wonders. I will reflect on all you have done and meditate on your actions. So what is meditating doing? It is, it is, I'm meditating on God's word and when I do that, it reminds me of God's character. How is it building my faith? Because I'm reminding myself that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I'm reminding myself that this word is still true today as it was thousands of years ago. I'm reminding myself that the principles of God do not pass away. The word of God does not pass away. That it is still active. It can still go to work in my life. That my God is a miracle-working God, and he can do miracles today just like he did thousands of years ago. And if he did a miracle for them, he can do it in my life as well. What does it do? It builds my faith because I'm reminding myself of the character of God. He's faithful. He's faithful to his promises. He's good, and he does good things. That's what his scripture says, and so I'm going to speak it and remind myself of it, and it builds my trust, and it builds my faith in him. We talked about this last week, Romans 10, 17. So then, so then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. I said this last week, but it's worth repeating. One of the best ways to hear God's word is to hear yourself saying it, to hear yourself saying it. And I would say this, if you're struggling with your quiet time in God's word every day, you're struggling reading scripture every day, one of the best changes you can make is to read this out loud. Read this to where you can hear yourself with your own ears. And I promise you, your spirit will come alive. Why? Because you're aligning your actions with God's word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so when I begin to hear the word of God, even though it's maybe myself saying it, my spirit inside is getting a workout in. He's getting stronger. My spirit man's getting stronger, more confident, more faith. I'm getting built up. Uh, read your Bible out loud. You may say, well, Pastor, I got little kids running around everywhere. It's, it's crazy in my house. Here's, here's what I would say. Let your kids hear you read God's word out loud to yourself. Why? There's no junior Holy Spirit. And when your kids are saved, guess what? You're going to build their faith while you're building your faith when you're reading God's word out loud. Be strategic with letting your kids catch you. Read God's word out loud. Let your kids hear you. And here's what's great. When my faith is built, I'm prepared before troubles and spiritual battles come. We talk about this quite a bit, but most of the time when we say you need to speak God's word over your life, it's in a crisis moment. We got a bad report. We have something going on. I don't know how we're going to pay this bill. We got car trouble. We need, wait, we need to speak God's word. And that's, that's great. It, you can't go wrong speaking God's word, okay? You can't go wrong speaking that out. But I would say this. Meditation helps us build our faith before we get in crisis situations. Talk to any uh, military strategist. Talk to any sports team, even if you want to. How do we win? How are we uh, continually successful in battle or on the sports field? It's through strategy and preparation before the game before the battle, before the war. I don't just show up and say, well, I hope we have a game plan. No, I do some work beforehand so when I show up on game day, I know exactly what my assignment is and I know exactly whenever they run this play, we're gonna respond this way and I know exactly what we're gonna do to defeat our enemy, to, to, to defeat our opponent. What is it? It's preparation beforehand. 
it's common sense, but many times we don't apply that to our spiritual life. We just hope when crisis comes that God's going to do something. We have a part to play. It's my job to get myself ready for a spiritual attack by building my faith. Otherwise, scriptures like Romans 10, 17 wouldn't be in here. God wouldn't show you how to get more faith and to build your faith if it wasn't on you to do it. I need to take the responsibility, grow up spiritually, and say, you know what? I'm going to choose to build my faith this week. And in doing so, no matter what the enemy throws my way, I'm going to remind him that I'm the lion now. <laughs> and he can, want, he can mess with me all he wants to, but I'm as bold as a lion, and I have some weapons I'm going to throw back his way. Look at Matthew 17, 20. It says, Jesus told them, I tell you the truth, if you had faith, even as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it would move. Nothing would be impossible. Here's the thing. There's going to be spiritual mountains that show up in your life. There's going to be situations that feel like, I don't know how we're going to get past this, as if you were standing in front of a physical mountain wondering, I don't know how we're going to get around this. I don't know how we're going to get through this. I don't know how we're going to get over this. I don't know how this is going to happen. But when my faith is built before, I can move mountains in my life. But whenever I walk up to the mountain, it's tough to, let's say you're competing, and it's a fitness competition. It's tough to compete successfully if I never trained my body until the competition day. How can I have confidence going into competition day if I've never trained, if I've never ran, if I've never lifted some weights, if I've never done whatever activity I'm supposed to be doing? Why? That's why we train before. So when the, the enemy comes knocking on our door and he rears his ugly head, I can say, I knew you were coming around sometime, but I'm ready for you. See how much confidence? I have so much more confidence when my faith is built. Number two is this. When I meditate, it renews my mind. It builds my faith because I'm hearing myself speak God's word. I'm declaring it over my life. And I, many times it's just whispering it to myself throughout my day. It's me working on memorizing a scripture. Maybe for you, you, ha you haven't done this, but a great practice is to memorize a scripture every month. Write it on a note card. Put it, put it in your, your bathroom mirror. Put it in your car and speak it as you're going to work. Speak it as you're going to the job site. Speak it as you're, you know, brush your teeth. Brush, the, you know, brush and speak through the bubbles, whatever you got to do. But speak it over your life. Memorize it. And I can tell you this. If you did that every month, you'd have 12 scriptures memorized every year. You know how much damage you can do with 12 scriptures memorized on, on lock, ready to go? It's like having a loaded gun. I'm ready to go to battle because I've done it beforehand. So when I memorize scripture, what am I doing? It's helping build my faith, but it also renews my mind. When I'm speaking it, it helps renew my mind. We have to remind ourselves that our spirit is made brand new at salvation. I know I've talked about this before, but I'll repeat it. Our spirit's made brand new at salvation. I get the Holy Spirit. He takes my old heart of stone, that old spirit of stone. gives me a soft spirit on the inside. But scripture says I have to make my mind new every morning, every day. That's what scripture says. You must renew your mind. What is that? I'm making it new again. Every single day, I'm making it new. That's why Romans 12, 2 says this. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So what does this scripture show us? If you want to see God's will come to pass in your life, it starts with renewing your mind daily. So what does it say? Be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove, you may show, you may reveal what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Where does the first domino start? Right up here. I got my start in kids' ministry, and one of the best object lessons we ever did with renewing the mind was something we called the brain bath. 
and we would get this fake foam brain, and we would get it out, and we would have uh, two buckets on stage. One bucket was filled with, like, garbage and dirt and worms and just gross, just gross stuff. We'd, like, make a fake uh, dirty diaper, you know, with, like, a chocolate bar and stuff. It would just gross the kids out. All the disgusting things that would get a huge reaction from kids, we'd put it in this bucket. And we'd get a brain out, and we'd say, hey, this is your brain. And every day we live in a world that is filled with garbage, it's on the radio, it's on the TV, it's on the commercial, uh, it's at school with that kid that's telling all those dirty jokes. It's, it's everywhere you look, there's a lot of garbage. Here's what happens as you go throughout your day. It's like the devil's taking that garbage and he's putting it on your brain. You were listening to that and it made you feel, you watched that show and it made you feel dirty in here? Yeah, because it had a bunch of cuss words in it and it, it was not good for you. Hey, you were listening to that music and as you listen to that music, it just doesn't make you feel good? Yeah, because it's feeling your mind is getting covered with garbage and with junk. Oh, hey, you, you're hanging out with that friend, and every time you're with that friend, they're always telling those dirty jokes. They're always showing you stuff on their phone. Hey, it's, it's, your mind is getting covered with garbage. And eventually we'd have this, this brain that's just covered in, you know, fake poop and all this stuff. And it's just, it looks disgusting. The kids are going nuts. And we say, but Scripture says we must renew our mind. What does that mean? i got to give my brain a bath. So every morning, what do I do? We pull out the second bucket. The second bucket is soapy water. Scripture says that God's Word is living water. We take that sponge out of there. We say, Lord, I thank you that I have the mind of Christ. I begin to wash that brain. Lord, I thank you that I think your thoughts. I focus on things that are pure, that are lovely, that are just. Lord, your word says to focus on those things. Lord, I thank you that that's what I focus on today. Lord, I thank you that I have self-control. Lord, I thank you that you provide every need. And we're just washing this brain and dipping in the soapy water until eventually the brain's clean again. But what did it take? Giving that brain a bath. That's what we have to do. That's what renewing the mind is. You're going to go through your life, and you've got to be strategic not to let situations, people, or the enemy fill your brain with garbage. You've got to put up some boundaries yourself, absolutely. But no matter what, you're going to go through life, and you're going to have random thoughts that come in that are garbage thoughts. And you have to decide, I will not let this garbage thought linger in my life. I will renew my mind and have the mind of Christ in everything that I do. Look at 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3. It says this, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Look at this. Bringing every thought captive into captivity to the obedience of Christ. The more accurate translation of that would be, Take every thought captive with a spear to the back. With a spear to the back. Um, it is a, is a military term, basically tying it back into and revealing it back into uh, the armor of God. That I have to put on the armor of God, and when those thoughts come, every thought, if it is an enemy thought, I must, as, as a warrior would, take that thought captive with a spear to its back. Meaning, I'm going to march it right on out of here wherever I want it to go. And I'm not going to let it linger, and I'm not going to let it stay. To live a victorious life over your enemy, you must take every thought captive. But to do that, you must first know what God's Word is. How do I do that? It's meditate. i got to speak this thing. i got to know this thing. Because how can I identify an enemy thought if I don't know truthful thoughts? I can't. I've got to quickly be able to identify enemy thoughts because thoughts that don't align with God's word become strongholds if they linger. And that's the issue. Many times we let thoughts linger, lies from the enemy. You're not good enough. 
You'll never have that thing that you're hoping for, that you're praying for. You're never going to make it. You're never going to be good enough. You're never going to have this, have that. You're never going to see that loved one come home and find hope in, in salvation in Jesus. It's never going to happen. You have these thoughts come. And if you don't address them and, and battle them with God's word, they become strongholds in your life. And they will root themselves in your life so much so that you stop believing and stop having hope for that situation. Strongholds will root themselves, but it's our job to focus on what Scripture says to focus on. That's why Philippians 4.8 says this, Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue or if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Here's how I can sum that up. What do all of these things describe? Jesus. Jesus in his word, he's the word of God, is true, noble, he is pure, he is lovely, he is of good report, he is of, and he is of virtue, he is of praise. He's worthy of it all. I focus on his word. And when I focus on his word, I begin to speak his word. It comes out even in my conversations. But here's what I'm, I'm convinced, that many modern Christians are meditating more on Fox News than they are on Scripture. I'll say that again. I'm convinced many modern Christians are meditating more on Fox News than they are on Scripture. Why? Because it's all they talk about. I can't talk with another believer. I, or here's what's worse. I'll talk with another believer and never bring up God. I'm not saying that every conversation, no matter what's happening, you have to bring in Scripture. But I am saying what is more so on your lips than anything else. That's what you're meditating on. So how can I gauge? Am I meditating? Am I not? What, what am I speaking? What am I talking about to others? More importantly, scripturally, what am I talking about to myself? What's my self-talk like? Does my self-talk align with God's word? Here's why. Isaiah 26, verse 3 says this, You will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you, because he trusts in you. What does this show me? It shows me that meditating on God's word, it renews my mind, and in doing so, it keeps my mind focused on God. And in doing so, it brings peace, it brings hope, and it brings victory to my life. I'm renewing my mind. I'm rejecting anything that could be a stronghold in my life. And now I have freedom here to think good thoughts, to have the mind of Christ. And when I do that, it opens the door for me to walk in God's perfect will for my life, according to Romans 12, 2. Is this making sense? Point number three is this as we close. Number three is it blesses my work. God's so good. This is just a bonus right? Renewing my mind is, is incredibly important. Building my faith, incredibly important. But God always goes above and beyond for his kids. He says, guess what? When you choose to meditate on what I have for you, I'm going to bless your work. My hand will be on your hand and everything you put your hand to, it will prosper. Let me show you. Psalm 1, verse 1 through 3 says, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his, in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. There's a progression here in this scripture. Walks, stands, sits. It shows a progression of influence that results from initially turning my attention to the, in the wrong direction. And I would say this, this is why it's so important for young and old people, 
You can't afford to have a best friend who's an unbeliever. Doesn't mean you can't love them, but they cannot be in your inner circle. They can't have your ear every single time, every single day. You can love them. You can be their friend from a distance, but they cannot be next to you. Here's why. So what does scripture say? Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. We're walking together. Well, they're a nice person. We're just getting to know each other, whatever. Nor stands in the path of sinners. Well, we stopped walking and now we're standing to have a conversation. What's next? We're going to sit and commune together. I can't afford to. I can't afford to compromise my walk just because someone's nice or someone, uh, I, I want to be their friend. Again, hear my heart. It doesn't mean I don't love them. It doesn't mean I don't pray for them. It doesn't mean I'm not there for them from time to time. But I cannot be, they cannot be the person that I run to when crisis happens in my life. Let me take a step further. This is why you can't afford to, for the young person or the single person, you can't afford to date an unbeliever as well. Well, I'll fix them. I'll get them saved. I'm going to tell you this right now. That's baloney. You don't think the enemy knows the temptations and everything that goes with dating someone? You don't think the enemy is going to use someone who's you're locked arms with, maybe even thinking about marrying somebody? You don't think they're going to use them to pull you in a direction that's far from God? Again, I'm not saying you're not friendly, you don't love somebody, and that's not what I'm talking about. I'm saying you better be careful because according to God's word, if I want his blessing and to walk under his umbrella of blessing in my life, I can't afford to walk, sit, to walk, stand, or sit. I can love them. I can serve them. I can pray for them, but I can't allow them to be in that part of the inner circle. For the single people in here, I, I put this on my Facebook a while back, but I'm gonna say this because I feel like I need to. Here's a great question to ask before you date somebody. Are they especially for the ladies, are they, is that man that you're thinking about dating, is he involved in serving at and giving in his local church? Here's why I say that. If he's not, it shows me that he's not willing to, he doesn't even know how to serve, love, and give, and be committed to the bride of Christ. And if he doesn't know how to do that to the bride of Christ, what makes you think he can do that for you? Save yourself the heartache. Find you a man <laughs> that's committed to the bride of Christ. He'll show you how he's going to love you by how he serves the bride of Jesus. A little side note for you. That won't cost you any extra today. Here we go. Blessing comes when I refuse to surround myself with worldly influence. And when I walk in obedience to God's word, how? By meditating. When I surround myself with worldly influence, I'm inviting the garbage of the brain bath on my brain. See what I'm saying? I can't have people in my inner circle who are gonna dump garbage on my brain every time I'm with them. I need people that are gonna help me wash my brain and renew my mind every time that I'm with them. What is blessing? Well, man, when I, when I meditate, that means I'm gonna have a million dollars in my bank account. That's not what I'm talking about. Blessing is the abundance of the fruit of the spirit in your life. It's that Jesus said in scripture, what he said, you're never gonna thirst again. You will never wither, that you will be fulfilled in your season and in due season, you will find fulfillment, whatever you're doing and whatever you put your hand to, it will prosper. I'm gonna go back to Joshua 1.8. This is the New Living Translation, but this sums, sums up everything we talked about today. Joshua 1.8, the New Living says this, study this book of instruction continually. 
meditate on it day and night so that you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. Very simple. Here's a little formula to help you remember. Last slide is this. Study God's word. It'll help you speak God's word. It's going to help you obey God's word then. And we just read in Joshua 1.8 is this. You will then find success in all that you do. When I study, when I speak it, I obey it, and God's hand is on my hand. I'm just a plumber. God's going to bless the fire out of your work. I'm just a business leader. I don't know how, you know, I don't work in ministry. God's going to bless your meetings. He's going to bless and anoint your mouth to speak with wisdom and not your own. While I'm so young, I'm just trying to get my foot in the door. Guess what? God's going to give you maturity beyond your years because you're walking with him. Success in all that you do. God didn't have to do that. He could have left it at building our faith and helping us keep our mind clean. But he says, you know what? I'm going to put my hand on your hand, and wherever you put your hand, my hand will bless everything that you put your hand on. Meditation's not a weird thing, but hopefully today you see it's a powerful thing. It's not a weird thing. It's a powerful thing. Biblical meditation is speaking God's word to myself quietly, meditating, thinking it, speaking it, studying it. It's like the growl of a lion over its prey. Why do we meditate? It's pretty simple. It builds our faith. When my faith is built, I can move mountains in my life. It renews my mind, which brings peace and hope and victory to my life. And number three, blesses my work. When I study, I begin to speak it, and then I begin to obey it, and I have success in all that I do. God makes it simple. He wants to walk with you. He wants to be with you. And he says, I have literally given you the greatest book to help you succeed in this life. There's no other self-help book that's going to help you. This is the one that will. This will change your life. You may get tips and tricks from some other books, but this is the one that will change your life even better. It'll change your family tree. It'll change your kid's life, your grandkid's life, and your great-grandkid's life. I promise you that. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, we love you. We come before you in the mighty name of Jesus, and we thank you for your word. Thank you that your word is clear. It's not confusing. It's not hard to understand. Lord, you've given us the Holy Spirit as our helper to help us learn, to help us understand, and to help us walk in obedience to your word. Heavenly Father, I declare and I just pray that this week, Abide Church and everyone listening right now, Lord, help us be a people that are committed to meditating on your word, not on the things around us. Help us renew our mind. Help us build our faith. And Lord, I pray that as we do these things and as we walk in obedience to you, we get under your umbrella of blessing and you said you would, you would give us success in everything we put our hand to. No matter what project we're facing, no matter what uh, situation we're going into, no matter how our marriage looks, Lord, as we put our hand to working on our marriages this week, we have success in all that we do because we are meditating, we're building our faith, we're renewing our mind, and Lord, we're just walking in obedience to what you have for us. We thank you for it. We're honored, Lord, that you would bless us in such a great way that you'd be with us. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. Thank you for listening to the Abide Church podcast. If you'd like to partner with us financially, or if you're in the Tulsa area and would like to attend our weekly gathering, you can check out AbideChurch.com.